Hello, I'm Leslie Dudley Corbell, and I'm Diane Doucette Matthews. Welcome to The Mind of a Child. We're so glad you've joined us today. So let's take a deep breath together and settle in because we have another reader question to get into today. Do you think it's best for all children in a household to be disciplined the same or not? So maybe we should define discipline. Yes, I think we should, because there are several different ways to hear this question, and Mm -hmm. and so we're going to try to come at it from different angles. So for us, discipline is to teach. Mm -hmm. So how do we teach our children? So in that, I would say, yes, we do want to have the same broad expectations for children to have those expectations be developmentally appropriate to each child and to teach and support children in being successful and meeting those expectations and learning those skills that we want them to have. Mm-hmm. Same expectations, but sometimes the standard's up there, but sometimes to get to the standard, it may look a little bit different for different children for them to all succeed. So, Leslie, let's talk about some examples. Okay, and so this example, someone told me this one time, and it really helped me get in perspective. And so we give all children what they need, right? So if a child has diabetes, we give them insulin. Mm. We help them with their diet and exercise to manage the the diabetes. We have the same outcome for each child, but we just give them different things to help them meet that expectation. For me, that was a helpful illustration. Very helpful, very helpful. So let's look at something a little bit more, you know, concrete to behavior instead of health. Yeah. So one child, let's say to meet an expectation of of getting into the car to go to preschool or to go do something or whatever it is we're wanting them to do, some child may need more support. They might need a visual schedule in order to follow the path and meet the expectation, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's bedtime, working on a bedtime routine. One child may need a kiss and a tuck into bed. Another child may need a book that shows them the steps of getting ready for bed and getting into bed. So we add things to it to help them be successful. So we should always strive to have the same expectations, like we just said, but they are (laughs) developmentally appropriate. Yes, some children might be neurodiverse. Yeah. They might need more support in the routine. Some children might need for the routine to not change very much. They need that routine to be there. Some children could have different temperaments age differences, physical considerations. There are so many reasons why children might have different needs. So the biggest thing is, I think, that we're talking about here is that we give them what they need to meet those expectations. Yeah, and for them all to be successful, like we've Mm -hmm. said quite a few times. So, and to know your child and to give them what they need and to support Mm -hmm. them. I would like to throw out some more examples just to kind of make this fit practically into your life. So you might think about one child might be able to sit and wait quietly while I am on the phone or talking to another adult. Mm -hmm. Another child might need more support, and that support could be visuals. It could also be teaching on what the expected behavior is. Mm -hmm. So, Diane, tell us about how you handled that with your children. Well, we tried to teach our kids how to interrupt properly. 
what we thought was proper because we didn't want them just jumping in and running to us with any thought at any time. And so what we did, uh, if there was something like an emergency or someone was injured, of course, they could run up and do that whenever. But just comments or, you know, come and see or anything, we taught them to come to us and put their hand on our shoulders and just wait until we were finished our conversation. And we wouldn't, you know, delay that conversation to stop. We would quickly get over our conversation so we could give them attention and look them in the eye and talk to them. But it just teaches them to know that they're not the center of the world. It's just a proper way to make things orderly. How did you teach them this? You know, the good thing with multiple children is once you teach the older one and they're they're doing it, it's a lot easier to teach the other ones because, you know, they see it done. But, you know, Joshua, very um, teachable and a great listener. So I don't remember it ever being a problem with him. You know, he loved to talk. And I think we just said, you know what, mom and daddy are talking right now. Or if somebody was there, we just said, you know what? you need to put your hand and just wait for us to finish our conversation. I'm sure it took practice. I mean, with anything, when you're training and teaching, which is, you know, discipline, it takes time. Yeah, and you notice it sounds like that some children learn things more quickly and some children had had more practice. And you brought up a key thing there, children learn by seeing how things are done. And so your younger Mm -hmm. children saw how it was done Mm -hmm. and they learned how to do it just by watching. Modeling, Children learn so much Mm -hmm. by watching others and by watching their siblings. Absolutely. So any teaching you do for one child, definitely the others are seeing it too. That's right. I've known people that have made little... Their child maybe was a little more impulsive, took them a little bit longer to learn that skill, and they would go so far as to make pictures to show what do you do when you want to speak to the adult and someone else is on, is you know, when the adult's on the phone talking to someone, and they took pictures of it and showed it to the child, made a little picture book out of it so the child could see it being modeled because some children are more impulsive than other children. Some children might come to you very excited about something and really want to connect with that. And so I think if we can keep this idea of giving the children what they need and the additional support, the expectation stays. They just need a little more than just being told at one time. That's right. And I thought, you know, it teaches self-control, you know, because we, we can all get real excited or just, you know, our feelings and our emotions are just out there. no. Self-control. That person's conversation is just as important. Just self-control and wait. I knew another family who had a neurodiverse child who really struggled getting into the car seat. Mm. Now, that didn't mean that they just dropped the expectation of putting the child in the car seat. They obviously put the child in the car seat. But what they did was take a picture of the child in the car seat, smiling Mm. and calm, and they showed it to the child before they put him in the car seat. So that then it was just another level of support. I know what's coming up. This is where I'm going to be. I can do that. Yeah, they saw the end result. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's great. We're talking so much about modeling and practicing. You know, there are four learning styles generally thought of, visual, auditory, reading and writing, or verbal, and kinesthetic. And so all children use all these skills. And I think that's one reason why modeling and practicing is so important. 
because it uses all of that. We're telling them what to do. We're showing them what to do. We're practicing what to do. So we're really utilizing all of those learning styles to achieve our goal. Yes, and every child learns from all four. Yes. So, yes, just a good reminder to use all four with all kids. Don't ever think, I've told them to do it, so they must know to do it. <laughs> no, no, it's continual. It's continual, just like with us. You know, we need all those. Um, something that you said earlier, high challenge, low stress is the optimal learning zone. And I know you said that you heard it from someplace else, but it doesn't matter. That should be printed in everybody's mm-hmm. kitchen or living room. Even for adults, high challenge, low stress. And so we bring low stress into the picture by being calm and composed and teaching, being predictable, being consistent, mm. using visuals to give that predictability, routine, safety, bringing kind of abstract ideas into the concrete We're doing all that whenever we bring that to the table for the child. I worked in an elementary school, was a permanent substitute for children that were on the spectrum. And they did that because they wanted to bring predictability. So Mm. if the teacher wasn't going to be there, they wanted at least another familiar face to be coming in. And there was one child in particular who would be overstimulated Mm -hmm. by just other people being around or sudden movements or noises. And so when I worked with this child, I really made an effort to breathe, to remain calm, almost serene, so that he could stay in that optimal learning zone, not be overstimulated, just to be calm Mm. and composed. And so one day he actually looked at me and just reached his hand out and touched my face. And the teacher that was in there at the moment said, he typically does not make eye contact with anyone and especially doesn't touch anyone's face. But I had tried to be so calm and so safe with him that he was able to interact then. And you know, we talk so much about being present. Yes. You were so present with him and you were so calm. I mean, you connected with him because you were present with him and you let him know that he was there. He was the only person in the world. And it illustrates to you how what we bring into the environment really makes a difference in a child being able to learn, to achieve, to grow, to meet expectations. We're a part of the picture too. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. You know, by telling that story, I don't want to even give the idea that only children on the spectrum need safety and composure Mm -hmm. and calm and predictability. All children need safety, composure, calm, and predictability. So we bring that into all of our interactions with children. And so we do discipline the same way. Some children may need more than other children, but all children need it. Yeah, and when we were reading the question and thinking about it, we thought... It may have been the intention of the question that they were talking about correction or consequences. And so we did want to point the person who wrote this question to, we have about four episodes that pertain to consequences. So that would be a good place if that was the intent of the question that you could go to the episodes about consequences. Yeah, and so to answer the question, though, let's say, let's say you go back and listen to those, then yes, we still would say that all children will be disciplined, taught to meet the expectations in the same way. Mm-hmm. Consequences are meant to teach. Mm-hmm. They're not meant to punish. Right. And so we, those four episodes really go a long way to tackle that question. Discipline, I'm going to say it again, <laughs> discipline and consequences are not punishment. Mm-hmm. They're teaching and they rely on the outcome of a choice of a child and 
They're not something that we just make up as we go along. So could consequences be different? They would still be the same. Yes, <laughs> okay. they would still be the same global big picture. Mm -hmm. I think the key point here is developmentally appropriate to the child. wrapping things up. Answer the question again. You do discipline the child the same way. The key part is making sure that it's developmentally appropriate to the child and that we're not having unrealistic expectations. We want to meet them where they are and help support them in learning. Being present, what we bring to the situation, staying calm, composed, and teaching. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that our words are encouraging and helpful to our listeners out there, that they are encouraging to all of us. They help us see children in a way that helps us teach them, help them grow into the person that you want them to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Check out our Instagram at themindofachildpod, or you can email us at themindofachildpodcast at gmail.com. This episode of The Mind of a Child is brought to you by Duncan and Stone, makers of keepsake journals that help you capture your family's favorite memories. With simple guided prompts and plenty of space for photos, and I took so many pictures of my kids, Duncan and Stone's journals help you easily organize life's special moments. As a mother of two, I know how quickly time flies, and I really thought I'd remember everything that happened. I wish so badly that something like this existed when my children were growing up. One of my absolutely favorite products of Duncan and Stone is their Dear Son and Dear Daughter journals. These journals help you pray over your child each year while also capturing your favorite memories together so that by the time they turn 18, you have an entire childhood worth of memories all stored in one place and not all over the house. Not only are Duncan and Stone's journals beautifully designed, I love the cream one especially. They're also heirloom quality, meaning everything about them was chosen to last for generations. You can check out all of Duncan and Stone's products online at duncanandstone.com or follow the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show.